okay? So the church is fill in the blank. The church is fill in the blank. Some of, of, of you here, whenever you hear that word church, it conjures up all sort of different thoughts, emotions, attitudes, reflections, because um, this is what I, I know. The, the church over the past, however many years the church has, has existed, um, the, the church has done a whole lot of good, but it's also done a whole like, lot of not good, right? Like I, like, I can almost guarantee in this place today that I would probably say 35 to 40% of you have in some way have been hurt by the church. You have been, um, you, you've just been hurt, whether it was something that you did and people blocked you, people just kind of blackballed you, um, you were some, somebody that, you know what, you know what, you had questions and basically you said, I've got these, these questions and they bashed you for even questioning. Um, there are probably so many different feelings. Whenever I say church, things that come into your brain. But here's the deal. If you were God, start off with that question. If you were God and you wanted to show who you were to people. So let's just hypothetically say you're God. Michael, you're God. Todd, you're God. And you said, I want to show myself to people. I want to show them who I am, what I'm like. I want to show them. So how would you show yourself? Like, how would you basically say to, to these people, this is who I am. This is how I, I operate. This is my character. This is who I am. How would you choose to present yourself? Fire? Hurricane, unicorns, like, like what would you use, right? What we see in scripture is from the very beginning, God chose the pretty much insane, unique, crazy avenue of people. God said, I'm going to show myself who I am, my character through people human beings. We, we see this. Genesis 12, the first person God called who? Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. And so were you. So let's just praise the Lord. There you go. We got some church people up, up in here. We got some church folk up in here. Non-church people are like, yo, I don't know who these people are. Abraham, I'm like, I don't know who this Abraham guy is, but y'all, I don't know what this song is. We could tell the church people and the not-so-church people that grew up in church by that simple song. But God chose Abraham. He said, basically, I'm going to bless you, and through you, there's going to be descendants that are, that are just insane. And through you, I'm going to build a people that I'm going to show myself through. So, so kind of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and, and basically all of those crazy Old Testament books that you read, Read it in, in context of God was using the Old Testament. He, he, he basically said, I'm going to choose a people group, the who? Israelites. And he said, through this group of people, I'm going to choose them, and I'm going to show my character, who I am, through this group of people. He, he basically said, look, I'm going to show the very core of who I am, 
my character through that. So that's why you, when you read the Old Testament, some of y'all read the Old Testament and you're just like, who in the world, what's going on? Like they wouldn't let them do what? They had to bathe where? They had to shave their face this? Like all these crazy kings, prophets, crazy women, like all, all of these kings following these stories, David, Moses, Sam, Samuel, Samson, all of the Old Testament is basically an account of, 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 of the people that God chose to show himself through. He wanted a people. He said, I'm going to create a, a, a people group, nation, and through this nation, I'm going to show every other nation who I am and what my character is. And plus, and plus, man, you see in this book, throughout the Old Testament, you see over 300 prophecies talking, saying there's going to be somebody that is, that is going to come from this people group that isn't just going to save Jews, it's going to be somebody that's for everybody. 300 prophecies, where he was going to be born, how he was going to, going to be born, where he was going to be born, how he was going to die. All of these crazy, insane prophecies that were done thousands of years before. And then we see coming on the scene, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a guy named Jesus comes on the scene who starts saying, basically, if you see me, you see God. When you hear me speak, I'm not saying cool, pithy statements. When you hear me speak, I'm speaking the very words of God himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He came and ticked all of the religious leaders off. He said stuff that made them, Ugh. So mad. Jesus came on. He said, when you see me, you see 100% the fullness of who God is and what God is like in a human. Like a human. Human. Sorry, bro. You're going to have a rough shoulder by the time this is over with, brother. <laughs> just let you know. In a human being wrapped up in Jesus isn't just a good person. Wrapped up in Jesus is God. And so, and so God goes from, from, from this, I'm going to choose a people group. But here's the, the deal, like the people group, right? Then, and then, you know, and then there was 400 years of what's called the intertestament period where God didn't speak. And then after 400 years, Jesus comes on. And basically Jesus says, I'm here to establish a new standard. I am here, yes, do you know what? You've got all of these laws. All of these laws do is basically tell you how bad you are. Basically says, you'll never, and, and dude, that is the whole point. The Old Testament's point is basically to, to tell us we will never live up to God's standards. Ever. Like, ever. Like, ever. Ever. So people were trying to, like you had these, these, these Pharisees, they were tithing out of their spice rack. Like they would have, you know, dill and they would, all right, this is about 10%. Here you go, God. Like, like they were trying to meet all of these codes and all of these laws. And Jesus said, look, you're doing all of this stuff to be like God, but all it's doing is basically making you self-righteous. 
You're putting all of your hope not in God, but in what you can do. And Jesus said, no, I, am, I did not come just, just to make good, good people. I came to save and bring to life dead people. God's whole goal is not just to basically make you good. God's goal is to make you alive because scripture tells us this, you're dead in your sin and in your, tra- and in your trespasses. Jesus did not just come to make you a good person. He came to bring life to you. Check it out, though. Jesus comes on, on this scene. And he says, I'm God. And, 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 dude, he's going around healing people. He's going around saying, you have heard it said, but now I say. Basically saying, I've got a new law here. I've, I've got God's fresh word here. And people were like, man, this is, you know, some people were kind of like, uh, some people were getting healed. Some people were, were like, dude, man, we'll follow you. Some people were like, this guy's like Satan. We don't know who this guy is. I don't know where, you know, where'd you get his power from? But here's the deal. I don't know if, if you know this. Jesus came, lived. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he died on the cross in our place and for our sins, rose from the grave. He, he defeated Satan's sin and death. But then scripture tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven. So I don't know if y'all notice, Jesus ain't here. Like Jesus ain't on earth. Like he's He's gone. Like, he's not here. Like, he, he popped up like, like a toaster, went up into heaven. I don't know where I got that from. I think it was some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of like Christian rap lyric or something. I don't know. <laughs> but popped up, went to heaven, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. So then you've got, so, I mean, honestly, essentially God can't be seen no more. It's like the, the visual person representation of who God is and, and what God's like isn't, isn't here anymore. So what did God set in place kind of as his succession plan to be the tool, to be the people, to be those that say, let me tell you and show you who Jesus is and what he's like? The church. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the church a lot doesn't really look like Jesus. I don't know if you've really noticed this, that whenever I read the Gospels and I read about Jesus and I kind of read about the, the people Jesus hung with, what Jesus did, what Jesus was like, what Jesus said, who Jesus accepted, who Jesus loved, and kind of, you know, who Jesus kind of, kind of, you know, kind of like had conflicts with, um, the church doesn't look a lot like its founder. And we're called to have Jesus' DNA in our blood. And let me tell you this, Jesus' succession plan was not a good political leader. Jesus' succession plan was was not a government. Jesus' succession plan was the church. He said the visual representation of God himself is going to come from God in the form of a person, now into the people of God that I put my spirit in. That's why he took 12 disciples, and he basically said, I'm going to pour who I am into you. Not, 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 not just you're going to do what I do, but you are going to become like me. You're going to do the things that I have done. Jesus set up the church. Now, look, I know in this place, like I said earlier, man, the church has hurt you, wounded you. Um, the church hasn't acted anything like Jesus at all. Matter of fact, I would say the church has made a 
big mockery of trying to be like Jesus, its founder. The church has killed people in the name of Jesus, purposely discriminated against people based on their skin color, their sexual identity, belief systems. They've taken advantage of people by fear tactics, religion, and shame, and guilt. It has given into the pressure of culture to conform to certain political affiliations. It had sold itself on the altar of prosperity and exchanged its true calling of loving this world for the cultural pleasures of comfort and convenience. And therefore, instead of being the hope of, of, the, of the world, it has become the joke of the world. And if you are in this place today and you have experienced the church has hurt you, wounded you, confused you, baffled you, embarrassed you, disappointed you, I want to sincerely say on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. Seriously. Because honestly, to fill in this blank this week, the church is. The church is called to be the hope of the world. In Matthew chapter 6, 6, verses 13 through 16, we kind of see Jesus talking about the church for the first time. And basically, this is where he interacts with Peter. Um, and, and so why don't we do this? Why don't we turn Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. We're going to read this, something very, very important while you're reading this. Um. This was in Caesarea Philippi, okay? So, so basically, Jesus takes his disciples. He takes them out on this, you know, trip and basically says this. Um, or first off, he takes them to this city, Caesarea Philippi. Okay, context when, whenever you are studying scripture is so important. Find out, find out different things, where it was said, why it was said. Don't just take it for face, for, for face value. Dig in some, all right? Jesus takes, takes these basically good old Jewish boys that are following him. They grew up in all these small Jewish towns, and these are probably good Jewish boys. He takes them to Caesarea Philippi, which Caesarea Philippi was kind of a big hub, sexual promiscuity, idol worship. Um, it was... It was it was home to, to the fertility god, Pan, and obviously with the fertility god comes all of these shrines where is this basically sexual promiscuity going on. It was just a place, basically, you could say, what happens in Caesarea Philippi stays in Caesarea Philippi. <laughs> was kind of one of, and I mean, honestly, classified, look it up. History basically says it was like a Las Vegas of sorts. And Jesus takes his good old Jewish boys who, and I mean, okay, okay, Jewish people, they couldn't even read the Song of Solomon until they were like 17 years old because the Song of Solomon book was kind of too vulgar for them. So Jesus takes, takes these, these good old Jewish boys into the city, Caesarea Philippi, basically Las Vegas. I can just imagine them walking in like, if my mom knew I was here, I'd be so dead. <laughs> if my dad knew where I was at, I'd be so dead. And Jesus, though, says, you know what? Follow me. We're going to go here. And Jesus says this to him. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But, but Jesus says, no, I, I don't care what they say. What about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter. Okay, now let's just stop right there. Simon Peter. So this is the guy who had the, you know, basically the biggest blurt out the wrong thing you could ever say problem, right? Peter had foot in mouth disease where he would always say the dumbest thing at the wrong time. Do you know anybody like that? Do you have any friends like that? That you just got those, those, those people? It's like, you, it's, it's like, do you know what? You, you pretty much bring them, bring them with you because you know they're going to be the one that's going to say the dumb thing that everyone else is thinking, but they're only going to have guts to actually say it, right? Simon Peter is that guy. So Jesus is talking to Simon Peter, who, if you know, this was before Simon Peter fell. So this was before Simon Peter could not even stand up for Christ to a servant girl. This was the same guy who basically said, I don't know Jesus. Nope, don't know him. Never heard of him, never seen him. You look a lot like the guy that was with, nope, nope, not me. Are you sure? And then, and then the scripture tells us he started cursing. But no. But no, that ain't me. Not me at all. That is not, so this is, this is the guy that Jesus is talking to here. This was before all that happened. He said, Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I will tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I find so interesting here that this is the first time that Jesus is actually talking about his succession plan. And what Jesus tells this, this honestly dude, Peter, that that Jesus knew was going to fall. Jesus knew was going to be, honestly, a big fat loser. He tells him, I'm going to build my church in places like Caesarea Philippi. I'm going to build my church in places like Las Vegas on people like Peter. I'm going to build my church in places like Caesarea Philippi with people like Peter. That makes me feel good. Because that makes me know, God can use anybody. God can use anybody. If you're breathing, you still have a purpose. If you're breathing, God can still use you. You did not deny Christ after he got taken from him, after you followed him for three years. You, you didn't do that. Peter did. And do you know what Jesus said? I'm going to build my church on people like him. Once he gets redeemed, once, once he gets restored, once he gets for forgiven. I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to build my church on people like him. Jesus wants to build his church, this church, the whole church on people like you. In places like Caesarea Philippi. I tell you what, the church for too long has been so scared to go where there's issues. Has been so scared to go where there is mess. Jesus said, I'm going to take and I'm going to build my church in places like Caesarea Philippi in the midst of junk, in the midst of sin, in the midst of unforgiveness, in the midst of this disgusting sin that is going on here. I'm going to build my church here because I'm telling you, light shines the brightest when, where it's the darkest. 
Jesus said, I'm not going to be afraid to build my church in disgusting places like in in disgusting places like Caesarea Philippi with crazy, no good, ragtag people like, like, like these disciples starting with Peter. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to turn jokes into hopes. I'm going to take places that are jokes and I'm going to turn them into hopes. I'm going to take people who are jokes and make them be hope givers. That's what God is going to do. And that's what his church was called to do. Jesus was never scared to get into people's mess. Ever. He didn't run from it. He ran towards it. Kristen and I started this, this whole thing. We're in our eighth week. Um, we basically said, we are going to build a church, or we are going to, by God's grace, build a church that is the most that we can possibly think of to make it as much like Jesus. That even sounds crazy saying. <laughs> right? So we said, we're going to try to build this church on some core values, on some things that we see as being non-negotiables to basically who we are, culture, like, like who we are as, as a church. We're going to build it on how we just see Jesus, Jesus, Jesus being n not what this culture says church should be, but what Jesus lived and said the church was going to be. So basically, in this series, we're going to go over six of our core values that we see in Scripture that we believe will take the church from being a joke to being a hope. Because we believe that the church is called to be the hope of the world. For too long, it's been the joke. So basically, today, I'm going to give you three core values. And basically, over the, the next two weeks after that, we're going to dive into the next three. The first core value is this. It's not about us. Mission trumps preference every time. Let me tell you what has killed the church. Ready? This might sound mean. Consumerism. Consumerism. We live in a consumer world, don't we? Where it's, it's like we have this mindset. We have all develop this mindset that things exist to please us. Restaurants, uh, people, to, yeah, Target, I think someone said Target. <laughs> Target, you know, it's like comfort and convenience and ease are, is basically the, tr the trinity of our culture. Comfort, convenience, and ease. And unfortunately, people take that trinity and bring it into the church and say the church exists to fill my needs i got needs i got kids you got a youth ministry i got kids you got children's medicine you got a children. i like this kind of music you can do that kind of music but what kind of music are you gonna do and people come in with this whole attitude of the church exists to meet your preferences i'm not trying to be whatever, but church is not designed to meet your preference. We're called to be relevant, yes. That's why we don't have, you know, organs. <laughs> Mike, if you ever wanted to, hey, man, bring it in, you know, hey, you know. But, but, you know, that's why we don't use overhead, you know, where you got those clear pieces of paper and you put them on there and, you, and, and, and someone had that important job of changing the words really fast. Anyone been in church that long? 
where you had to change, you know, you got the overhead projector thing and you had to take that junk out and put that thing in. Whoever had that spot, you knew they were faithful and they were important. Like, you know, you don't give that job to anybody. You give that job to someone that you trust. Better make sure them words are right on, on that song, right? But that's why we don't do that no more because here's the deal, man. We want to be relevant, yes. But at the same time, the church does not exist to meet your preferences. The church exists to equip you to do what God has called you to do. That is the purpose of the church. Like, we see Jesus. Jesus, Jesus like, like, people could not understand how, how God could come in a human being. They had a preference. They said, God is supposed to be like this, 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 and this. Jesus came and blew all their preferences up. He was like, I'm going to come in the form of a human being. I'm going to accept people that you don't accept. But here's the, the deal. We think, we believe, the church isn't called to meet preferences, but it's called to be for those that aren't here yet. The vision of, of this church is to, you know, is to help all people experience life change through Christ. All people. We don't believe some people. We don't believe some people that, that, just, that, that just look like us. We want to help all people experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. But if we're going to do that, we cannot make it about our preferences. Think about it this way. Whenever the church starts, starts saying, this is what I find important instead of what is going to forward the gospel, you might as well go ahead and shut the church down. That, that is why the church for so long has fought over the dumbest things. Carpet. What color the carpet going to be? Who's going to be the worship leader? Can we have drums in worship? Can we have guitars? And we spend so much sideways energy talking about stuff that in the light of eternity doesn't mean a daggone thing. There's people dying and going to hell. And we're worried about drums. We're worried about carpet. Like we are worried about something life attorney doesn't matter. But that's what happens whenever we make church about us and about our preferences and what we want. This church will always say what's going to forward the gospel. What is going to help people that do not know Christ help them know Christ. And here's the deal. We're all going to have to like give some. I'll be honest with you. Like there are some songs that we sing, worship that we do. I, I said I'm my favorite. And I'll probably say some of y'all would probably say the same thing. Like, there's going to be things in this church that we are going to want to see happen, but we're always going to say, God, what in the world do we need to do to reach people? And we're going to try to do that. It's not about us. We, we want to make it simple. We believe this. God has called us to do four things. Help people know Jesus, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. When you sum it all up, we want you to know, like, we want everyone in the church to know Jesus, if, if you do not know Jesus today, I pray today that you would know him. We want you to find freedom. We want you to, you know what, discover your design. And then once you discover how God made you, go out in whatever context that you're in and make a difference for Christ in that context. We don't want to be complicated. Got to go through 14 classes to do this, 13 classes to do that. The mission of the church is to be for those that are not there yet. Here's the thing. In heaven, will you be able to, to worship Jesus? Yes, okay, good. We got some people saying yes. Oh, thank, thank God. 
will you be able to fellowship? Will you be able to tell people who do not know Jesus about Jesus? Then why is the church here? It's to go for those who don't know him. And this is what Jesus was. Jesus came to this. I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Jesus said, I am for and I am about those that do not know him yet. He said what? It is the sick that need a doctor, not the well. A, you know, I don't know if it was, it was a couple weeks back, our church, we went and set up at this um, beer fest. It's kind of like a beer fest where a lot of people come to drink and just have fun. And I said, man, we're going to go. We're going to set a, a tent up. We're going to have music going. We're just going to go out and hang out. I had some people like, why are you doing that? I said, why wouldn't we? Like, are you serious? Like, we get the opportunity to just hang around people and show them who God is, show them what church is like, show them who God is. Like, we get that opportunity to do that? Like, are you serious? Well, you know, what if they think you can just get smashed and be a Christian? What if they think you can get drunk all the time? What if, what if, what if they think this? What if they think that? Do you know what they call Jesus? A glutton and a drunkard. They called Jesus. Why? Not because of, of what Jesus did, but because of who Jesus hung with. And they associated who Jesus hung with with basically the person Jesus was. But Jesus said this, I didn't come to please these self-righteous punks. I didn't come to make them happy. And you know what? This church isn't coming to make, to, to please people. That, we're, here to pre- we're here to reach people. So we're going to go where people are. And we're not going to care if, they, oh, that's, that's that alcohol church. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they like to turn a lot of water into wine. <laughs> yep, that's them over there. They that glutton and drunkard church. That's who they are. I don't care. I don't. Because here's the deal. We know what God's called us to do, and we're going to do it. And, we're, and dude, we're going to be passionate because people need Jesus. They don't need religion. They need Jesus. The second core value is this. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. For far too long, the church has always been known for who it's against rather than what it's for. This means we will not let what we don't agree with trump who we should love. I want to say that one more time. This means we will not let what we don't agree with trump who we should love and honor. And that is everybody. Pharisees were just amazed and perplexed that Jesus could hang out with certain people. They just could not get it. They asked him questions like, that guy, he hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. (laughs) Which... I, don't, I know this about people that don't know Jesus. They're not going to gravitate towards people that don't accept them. They're not going to gravitate towards people that they think don't like them. They're going to be repulsed by that. They're not going to. So I find it so interesting that sinners were basically attracted to Jesus. Jesus is the DNA of the church. So shouldn't sinners be attracted to the church? 
That is what I see. But for far too long, the church, unfortunately, culturally, has always been known for who it's against rather than what it's for. We're for love. God, God says you could be the greatest prophet. You could speak in tongues for 5,000 years. You could have the faith that can move mountains. But then he says this, if you don't have love, do you know what you are? Nothing. This does not mean that, you know what, we're going to just uh, agree with everything. This doesn't mean we don't have con concrete, systematic, the theological beliefs. But here's the deal. Jesus honored those whom he didn't agree with. And they were attracted to him. Do you know what that tells, you know what that tells me? Relationship was the most important thing. He got to know them. I told this story many, many times. John chapter 8, the story of the uh, adulterous woman. They take, you know, all, all, all these guys. This, this girl right here, she was caught in the act of adultery. Let's take her to Jesus and throw her down and see what Jesus says. His own law says that they should stone her. Brr. So, so yeah, uh, pirates back in the day. I don't know. <laughs> but they took it and throw her down. Jesus, what do you say? He was about saying, cast the first stone. Uh. <laughs> they were, I doubt those, those Pharisees took the time to take this one. Hey, can you tell me your story? Is there anything that we can do for you? How can we help you? How can we serve you? How can, how can we help? And the church for far too long has always focused on what people's sin is rather than the fact of they're a human being that God has called us to love, that God has called us to serve, and God has called us to honor. At this church, we will honor everybody. We're not going to agree with everybody. We're, we're going to have beliefs. We're going to have doctrines. We're, we're not saying that. But the greatest doctrine that we could ever have is love. And we're going to honor everyone. They're going to be welcome here. And you know what? Here's the deal. We know whenever we say that, they're, 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 there's going to be messy people. Join the club. You're messy. I'm messy. We're all jacked up. We're all messed up. We all got issues. You just keep yours private. Right? Like we're all messed up. So let's give the grace to people that we want to be given to us. Amen? We're going to honor everyone at this church. Thirdly, I got to close. But thirdly, our third core value is this. Work as if it all depends on us and pray as if it all depends on God. Work as if it all depends on us and pray as if it all depends on God. For far too long, the church has been more talk than walk. Church talks a big game. We love people, but don't bring them. We love everybody. Uh, man, but if they come to our church, what are people going to think? Here's what I know. The church has prayed too many prayers that we aren't willing to step out and answer. Whenever we say, God, save people. Save this city, God. Save it in the name of Jesus. I declare. 
revival in this city. I declare the word of God. People shall get saved. And you won't even invite someone to church because you're scared. Like, y'all, y'all, I, I believe in prayer, like for real. I believe in prayer like more than anybody. But at the same time, I'm so sick of praying prayers that God is calling me to step out and answer, and I don't do it. Many times the prayers that you pray, God calls you to pray those so you can be the answer to that prayer. We can talk, oh God, we pray for blessing over this city. Are you involved? Are you giving? Like, or, or is it just you've got faith, but you don't have deeds? James chapter 2 talks about this. And in James chapter 2, we're going to read this really, really quick. This is, this is James talking to the church. And I would say he's kind of like, I wouldn't say shaming them, but he's just like trying to give them logic. He says this. You should have had this prepared. Oh, here we go. Here we go. He says this, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep them warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, is, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. You know what that tells me? Yeah, we need faith to pray. But you better be answering. You better be ready to answer the prayers that you pray. And you better be willing to be a part of that answer. Because how does God work? He works through what? People. Just like he says here, it's like, you got somebody, they need clothes and physical. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Be well fed, brother. In the name of Jesus. I got to go to lunch. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like we can, man, we can talk all day about changing this city. We can talk all day about wanting to see impact. We can talk all day. We can pray, declare, decree, whatever prayer language you want to use. Some of y'all can pray real good. Y'all can do all of that stuff. But do you know what does not, that prayer does not matter if you will not have the faith to step out and answer the prayers that you pray. So that's why we will say this. We will be a church. We're going to pray as if it all depends on God. We're not going to be afraid of prayer. Prayer ultimately, I, th I think more, rather than just going to God, you know, give me, give me, give me. Prayer is ultimately you getting God's heart. Because whenever you got God's heart, you'll, you'll do whatever. And it's so funny. We want God to tell us things that he's already said for us to do. God, do you want me to invite this person to church? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, he wants you to ask that person to go to church. Should I tell the person about Jesus? Yes, he's already said it. Do it. You don't need the Holy Spirit telling you. The Holy Spirit's already told you through God's word what he's called you to do. Do it. You don't need a voice from God. You don't need an inkling. You don't need a feeling. Just do what he's already said. So we're going to be a church that prays, but then we're going to be a church of action. We're going to be a church that says we're going to put feet to our prayers. We are going to do what we're praying for. We want God to impact this city. That, that's why we said Denby High School, we're, we're gonna post up. We're, 
we got a lot of stuff coming up. And I mean, we're going to say, do you know what? We're going to put action to our words, our prayers, and our hopes. Because we believe this. The world is sick of hearing the church talk. They're ready to see the church walk. They're ready to see the church act. They're ready to see the church not just praise God in this building and go out and live like hell. They want to see, see people come into this building, go out there and be equipped, fiery, and passionate, and all about the things that God is about. You're not coming here, hopefully, I know, here's the thing, you're not coming here just to be your preferences met. Oh, great worship, great word. I love stuttering preachers. It's like, it's awesome. This is what I prayed for. This is so awesome. This is so great. Prayerfully this, you come here so that, man, it equips you to go back out there to do what God has called you to do. And that is know Jesus, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That's what God has called this church. Those are three things. The next two weeks, I'll cover the next three things. Or, or... If you want to, you can just come to Lifetrack and I'll cover all six for you right after, right after this. But not, not, but not this in depth. But the church is the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the world. And we've said this, we want our church to be more like Jesus than it is about this cultural Christianity. We're going to be what Jesus is for. And man, we believe that in the same way Jesus started a revolution, his 12 disciples said, we would die for this thing. And they did. I wanna have a church of, of people that would say, I would die for this thing. I'm all in. I'm not just gonna be about me. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not gonna like certain people. I'm not just gonna pray good, good stuff good stuff. We're going to be, it's not about us. We're going to honor everyone, work as if it all depends on us, and pray as if it all depends on the God in heaven. Would you 